2: With former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Croupin celebrity line. Happy to be joined by our friend Greg Washinski. Wisch- He's a senior NHL writer for ESPN.com. You can follow him on Twitter at his last name, in W-Y-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. Greg, we always appreciate the time, my friend. How are you doing today?
0: Doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it
2: absolutely so let's get started with this uh we are getting very close to the nhl's official restart blues going up to edmonton to play an exhibition game and then eventually the postseason. let's start with this what, what's your prediction as to who you think is actually going to come out of this thing greg let's <laughs> well, cut right to it huh yeah <laughs> uh, no we, we, we haven't we haven't done any
0: uh formal uh prognostications on on how this is going to play out um but, you know, the interesting wrinkle this season, obviously, is not only the fact we got 24 teams involved, but the fact that we're going to do reseeding after the qualification round. So it's, it's hard to really make a prediction on who's coming out if you don't really know what the bracket's going to look like. And, and the issue right now is not only do we not even know who the top seed in the conference is going to be, because if the Dallas Stars win three games, they're going to be the top seed in the conference. We have no idea who they might even play because you've got eight teams – that are, uh, you know, battling it out in the qualification round and uh, they're going to have their own seating. So it's really hard to figure out the path of, of these teams to the to the conference final and the cup. But from a general standpoint, I mean, the the, uh, the Colorado Avalanche being as healthy as they are right now, I think is very intriguing. Uh, that's a team that, that has, you know, suffered through injuries throughout the entire season. and Right now, they're at their, their peak of, of having everybody in the lineup outside of Cal McCarr, who's out for a little bit right now, it seems like. Same thing with the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've been injured all season long, and, and they're uh, at as much full strength as they're going to be heading into this tournament. Um, in the Penguins' case, they have to play that extra qualification round uh, series against the uh, Canadiens. In the Avalanche's case, obviously, they're in the round robin with the Blues. Um, those are two teams that kind of intrigue me uh, on a surface level and so far as what's changed since we last played these games in March.
3: Yeah, Greg, let's do that. Let's let's dive into that for a second, because this this is really what intrigues me is the fact that they have these play in rounds for the teams that, you know, quite frankly, some of the teams really didn't have much of a chance to get into the playoffs. When you look at it, maybe mathematically only, but realistically, probably were packing their bags at the end of the season. Now they're back into it. They're back into this tournament to qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. What are, You mentioned the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that would be certainly in the East. In the Western Conference, and maybe even again in the Eastern Conference, what are a couple of teams or the team that you think people need to be aware of because maybe they're re-energized, maybe they got some players back, maybe they look good as the pause was hitting us? Uh, just get a little in perspective on that.
0: Well, I mean, you know, you got to start with the chalk, right? Like, I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning had really kind of figured themselves out as we, uh, we entered the pause, uh, and also are going to be healthier as well. I mean, uh, Steven Stamkos was out when we hit the pause. It's expected he'll be back for the qualification round. And, I mean, that's just a team that is absolutely loaded and, and also a team that clearly learned its lesson last postseason when they got upset in the first round by Columbus uh, to uh, not take these things for granted and make sure that you're playing Uh, Important games at at the right time, which they obviously will be this season. Um, So that's one team. And then over in the Western Conference, I mean, beyond the Blues, you look at the Vegas Golden Knights. uh, That's a team that also is going to be, you know, healthy at the right time. They were losing some people from missing some people from their lineup um, when the pause hit. And then also, you know, one of the reasons the the Golden Knights had been, you know, a team that was successful but maybe not on the level of Colorado and, and the Blues this year was the fact that their goaltending wasn't up to stuff. Mark Andre Fleury didn't have the greatest season uh, in net for them. They go out of the trade deadline, they acquire Robin Lehner from the Blackhawks to shore up that position. Where if for whatever reason Fleury goes to the uh, postseason isn't himself, they've got this this insurance policy there to shore up the crease. Uh, that's a very very good hockey team as well, and, and you know that, that's also a team that made a coaching change to Pete DeBoer uh, from Gerard Gallant during the season. And DeBoer notoriously uh, has early success with his teams in the postseason. So uh, that's a team to look out for as well.
2: We're talking with Greg Wasinski, the senior NHL writer for ESPN.com here on 101 ESPN. So we've talked a little bit about what it's going to look like whenever we get back on the ice. I want to ask you about the part that's going to get us there, and that, of course, is the testing. We've seen some legitimately positive signs on this side of things. The NHL just two positive tests in the last week out of 2,600 total. When you talk with guys around the league, whether it be executives, coaches, players, how confident do you sense that they are that they're actually going to be able to pull this thing off once they get to the Hub Cities?
0: I feel like we all have to, like, figure out a new vocabulary because I don't know if you could be positive about positive <laughs> yeah, or Yeah, right? I
3: think the same <laughs> the weird, thing every time. Deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: it's, a, it's a weird deal. But, no, uh, you know, in, in just hearing some of the interviews that have been done in the last couple of days with with players and, and coaches, uh, it's obvious that there's a, an optimism about pulling this thing off when you only have two uh, confirmed COVID-19 cases uh, in, in the testing that they've done since the beginning of training camp. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of epidemiologists and medical experts over the last few months that have all said the same thing, which is, you know, if, if you have protocols in place and everybody follows them, if you, um, you know, are in a, a place where there isn't a large number of infections and, and, uh, the bubble that you create is, is kept in place. Um, and then above all else, testing, 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 Uh, you know, doing it every day, which is what the phase four protocol for the NHL calls for. uh, You can, you can maybe pull this thing off theoretically. So uh, am I encouraged? Absolutely. Uh, Am I adding a caveat that I want to see this thing when they've been in a bubble for uh, a month and a half and uh, (laughs) are itching to get out to a bar or a club and they're tired of being in their hotel rooms. Yeah. I'll take a wait and see on that, but without question, the protocols they put in place, being followed, everything else have led to some positive news this week.
3: All right, Greg, you know, the, the Western Conference headed up to Edmonton as their bubble. Um, we kind of know, we've talked to a lot of people, kind of know what that is going to look like, how it's going to be. And you just mentioned guys get a little antsy. They want to go out and grab a beer. And look, the numbers in Edmonton are the reason that the NHL picked that spot. Now, the flip side of that is Toronto. Toronto has had it struggles to say the least with this virus and I personally thought the Eastern Conference would get you know a hub in either Toronto or even New York as crazy as that sounds but again going back to the players maybe wanting to go out and have a beer and socialize the risk is probably greater in Toronto and I'm just wondering are any have any teams in the Eastern Conference have they expressed any concern about the hub city being Toronto
0: They haven't, Um, if only because I think that there's still the idea that the American sites that would have been in contention uh, and, you know, at at, at some point it was, you know, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Chicago, places like that. Uh, You know, there's a a sense that Canada still has this thing under control in a way that the U.S. doesn't. Um, I mean, you mentioned New York. New York, obviously, the numbers have turned around really dramatically in the city uh, to the point where, you know, maybe you could have held it there at, at this point. But the numbers in Toronto are still very good. I think the bottom line is, and, and this is something the league has, has said on multiple occasions to me, it's less about the, what's happening outside the bubble than it is the ability to create a bubble, enforce it. Um, and, you know, yeah, you want to put these games in a place where there isn't a, a risk of, of, uh, of, of getting infection from the populace at large. But it's also about going to places where the testing capacity and the infrastructure isn't gonna be taxed by having this traveling road show there for two months. And, and in Edmonton and Toronto, that's been the case, right? Like the, the thing that they, the NHL doesn't want is what's happening with MLS right now, where they're being seen as uh, taking away, you know, tests and, and uh, lab time and things like that from the uh, community at large. So that was the bigger thing. Again, what it comes down to, and I've talked to a lot of coaches about this, what it comes down to is personal responsibility. Um, you know, nobody should be going to the bar. Nobody should be going to the club. They're all supposed to just stay in their hotel rooms or interact within the bubble. And if those protocols are followed, they should be in good shape. And the more players that you talk to, the more of a sense you get that they understand that it's on them to make this work. And that, you know, you don't want to be the one who uh, violates the protocol and a might not be able to play again. Cause you'll get kicked out of the bubble and B, potentially force a situation where the guys get infected and all of a sudden this thing starts unraveling.
2: Greg washinsky of ESPN.com joining us here on 101 ESPN. Greg, one of the guys in, in the Blues locker room in particular that'll be in charge of enforcing some of those things is Alex Petrangelo. And here locally, we were a little disappointed, frankly, about him not being included among the list of the finalists for the Norris Trophy. And then a little bit later, we get word that Craig Berube, also not a finalist for Coach of the Year this year. I wanted to get your national perspective on this. Did you find Alex Petrangelo or Craig Berube to be a snub in either of those two races, in your opinion?
0: More so Petro than than Berube. Um, I had him in my top three. Uh, I thought he was a deserving candidate. His underlying numbers this season were outstanding for the Blues. Now, you know, so were Victor Hedman. I mean, I think it's pretty well established that Roman Yossi, John Carlson, those are going to be your top two. And then it was just a matter of it was going to be Pietrangelo or Hedman or, or Jacob Slavin or other another guy, you know, filling out that top three. I, I thought Pietrangelo deserved it. Um, his numbers were great. I'm not, you know, outraged that Hedman got it. I thought he was a worthy candidate too. But if you were going to say a snub, I think the snub happened there only because – the Jack Adams race was really tough this season, and breaking into it was going to be difficult. Uh, I mean, obviously, Blues fans probably look at Bruce Cassidy and say, "Okay, why him, but not Berube?" Well, I mean, the Bruins are the only team to crack 100 points at the pause. They they had an outstanding season, and I think um, anytime the Jack Adams involves somebody who you know had a President's, president's Trophy team, I'm actually kind of happy about it because those coaches don't always get the nominations they deserve just because it's assumed that they have a really good team. Um, the rest of it, you know, it's, it's just going to be really tough to make the argument that Barubi deserves it more than Vigneault or that Peruby deserves it more um, than uh, Tortorella or, or even Dave Tippett with the uh, Oilers and some of the other guys that didn't get into the top three.
3: Greg, I want to jump back to the Norris Trophy just for a second and, and not necessarily go over the players that are up for nomination, but. You know, I look at this, and for several years now as a former player and that being a former defenseman as well, like, is it time to create a different trophy? Is it time to add, you know, the Bobby Orr trophy to the most offensive defenseman or the defenseman with the most points and then keep the Norris trophy as the best all-around defenseman? And I only ask that because it seems like the sexy thing to do is to give the Norris Trophy to the guy who puts up a tremendous amount of points. You know, Brent Burns, you know, he gets nominated and he gets his crack at it. And, you know, but he's really not an all-around defenseman. He's not the greatest defensive defenseman that is in the NHL, yet he's in the conversation a lot. Eric Carlson, same thing. I just wonder, is it time to create a new award so that you can, you know, kind of categorize what these guys really are? Well, it's
0: interesting you should say that, because you went the opposite direction than most people go. You, you're, 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 you're in the... I'm a trendsetter, Bobby Greg. War. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're like, create the Bobby Orr or Award for the offensive defense. and I think most people are like, create the Rod Langway Award for best defensive defenseman. And, uh, and then you get guys like Jacob Slavin and, and, and players that don't necessarily have the point totals that constantly get overlooked for the Norris uh, a little bit of love. So I'm open to both ideas. I do think it's going to be interesting, though, to speak to your point because uh, to, to see how the votes go this season. Because I do think there's been a bit of an education process in my time as a voter. I've been a voter for the PHWA now for over a decade. Um, I think people have gotten better with identifying what all-around means. Just like I think they've gotten better at figuring out the Selkie Trophy for best defensive forward not just give it to the guy with the best face-off percentage. I think people have really smartened up to look at the totality of a defenseman season versus just his point total. And I think at the end of the day, you know, there's a very good chance that Roman Yossi wins the Norris trophy this year based on the fact that he was 10 points behind John Carlson, but had demonstrably a better defensive season than Carlson did the guy you're talking about, the guy with the amazing offensive numbers and maybe a little bit deficient on the defensive side, that's John Carlson this season. So let us let's use this as a test case as to whether we gotta create some more awards <laughs> on whether or not Yossi wins or, or Carlson wins this year.
2: Final question for you, Greg, and we're joined by Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com. Whenever we're talking about all of this, of course, in the backdrop, we're talking about Alex Petrangelo here locally. What do you think that the free agent landscape is going to look like for a player like him, given obviously the lack of revenue that the league is (laughs) going to be able to bring in this year compared to what they expected with no fans in the stands for any of these games that they're going to be playing? It's a terrific question. I, you know, the, he's not the
0: only big name that's out there. Um, you know, you have Taylor Hall with the Coyotes. You have Braden Holtby, the goaltender for the Capitals. You also have Tory Krug of the Boston Bruins. And in the case of Krug and Petrangelo, I think these are two guys whose contract prospects going forward are, are not necessarily going to be affected too much by the flat cap. I think if you're a team that thinks you are one foundational defenseman away and the Blues don't uh, find a way to re-sign him, you're going to make you're going to make some room clear out some cash figure out a way to put him in your lineup because he could be the difference between you falling short or potentially winning a cup same thing with tory krug i mean the the, you know finding a, a power play quarterback in this league is one of the hardest things to do krug is a very adept at that i think teams will make room for him if he's on the open market as well it's It's some of the forwards, like Taylor Hall, I'm a little bit concerned about finding the contract he might be looking for, and it's obviously the middle class of free agent guys. uh, They're going to be looking for new contracts and and going out into a landscape where the the cap is going to be flat potentially for the next two seasons, and teams that might otherwise have money to spend all of a sudden have to kind of recalculate the amount of space that they have. But when it comes to the premium defensemen in this league, it's such a commodity that I really think teams are still going to find a way to get those guys in.
2: He's Greg Washinsky You can read his work ESPN.com is where you find it, and you can give him a follow on Twitter, at Wyshynski, W-Y-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. Greg, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. You got it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. That's Greg Wyshynski joining us on 101 ESPN.
1: Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar